Hi, this is Jonathan from Lewis Jewelers. If you're in the market for a diamond, we can make the experience easy and stress-free. Not to mention we can save you time and money. As a general manager, one of my roles is to hand-select every diamond that comes into our store. Don't shop alone. Come see me or one of my trusted advisors and find the perfect diamond today. Where Ann Arbor gets engaged, Lewis Jewelers. Welcome on into the Wolverine.com podcast. Clayton Safey here with Anthony Broom, my good friend, trusted agent. On a Wednesday afternoon, recording a little bit early here, we got uh, Anthony's got some things going on end of the week here. Our Chris Ballas, who was not able to make it at the last minute, is traveling to Tampa tomorrow for the Frozen Four. So we'll have you covered with all of your Michigan hockey needs over at the Wolverine.com. But uh, things moving Fast with the transfer portal, Michigan basketball, and their roster. We're also going to do a little bit of cleanup from spring football, talk about some position battles. We will rifle through those, give our take on where things stand uh, on some of those at the beginning. Uh, We'll get out of here with some hockey talk and basketball. Uh, We are brought to you by my perfect franchise, Andy Ludke. Um, Are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream? Looking for a side hustle? While working your current job, are you wanting to diversify, build wealth, and or leave a legacy? Well, Andy can help. Andy is a franchise consultant as well as a franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free, and he's here to help you if you have any questions about business ownership. You can contact Andy Ludke. uh, Go to www.myperfectfranchise.net. Hit him up on the phone, 404 973-9901. Email him, Andy, at myperfectfranchise.net. And like we said, go to his website, book a time with him on his calendar. Again, 100% free to get that conversation, to get that consultation, uh, and then you can kind of go from there. But uh, Andy's a great guy. I've said it every week, but we met with him uh, about a month ago now, and his vision uh, and, and what he's been able to do helping people out has been fantastic. So we're very happy to be aligned with him. So check out myperfectfranchise.net. Andy Ludke, uh, a great guy there. Um, before we get into it as well, uh, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel here if you're watching there. Also hit the thumbs up button, the like button on this video. Uh, that really helps us out, helps other people see our work. And the Wolverine.com premium access over there to all of our articles, to our message board, where you can interact with thousands of Michigan fans. $29.99 all the way through August 31st. So it takes you right into that football season. So it should be a lot of fun with uh, a lot of news coming and a lot of analysis, a lot of insider scoop on Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. Uh, Anthony, bring you in here. Uh, first of all, it's April 5th. We are re- recording a day early, which means that we're recording on – Four five twenty three, which was Scott Bell. Of course, he probably had this ready since the the minute that game went, uh, you know, the clock hit zero. But forty five twenty three, Michigan beats Ohio State last year. So happy four five twenty three. It's also my mom's birthday, so happy birthday to her. But uh, oh, AP, how, how you feeling on this uh, four five twenty three? Well, enriched now that I know that uh, the safeties have a birthday to celebrate. So right. happy birthday to Mama Safey. Uh, Scott Bell is like social he's he's like a michigan fan ai in terms of trolling content and reminders of awesome moments so we love scott uh yeah happy 4 5 23 it's a happy day uh, although as we record this there are severe storms and tornadoes ripping through 
Southeast Michigan. So hopefully everyone yep. stays safe out there, but uh, yeah, a lot to get to a uh, lot, lot to discuss as we know, uh, f- spring football done uh, for the Wolverines, uh, basketball, there's transfer portal stuff that is fluid every single day. There are things we'll probably say in this show that date themselves uh, before it even comes out. But uh, here we are. I mean, it's the, it's the off season now for both teams, both sports, um, full steam ahead, full speed or nothing. So let's do it. No doubt. So let's get into it. Let's talk some Michigan football uh, and go through some position battles not all of them as high profile. Uh, you know, they have a settled starting quarterback in J.J. McCarthy. So we will start with the backup quarterback job. And we got a glimpse of both guys in the spring game. I thought Jack Tuttle had his moments. I thought he also had uh, some really poor moments as well. I thought Davis Warren started slow. I thought Davis Warren had some really nice moments at the end and led his team down on a drive to win the spring game. But from everything we've heard, from everything that people have said, and from our view of the team during the spring game where do you feel like this one stands because i think this is going into fall camp i'm sure you probably agree but i mean what did you see from those guys and where do you think this thing stands yeah i think that both guys you're right it will go into fall camp the way i see it and honestly it will probably go well into the regular season i mean knowing that you have assuming again knock on the closest you know piece of wood uh, next to you knowing that you have your starting quarterback set there really shouldn't be any reason for either of those guys play in anything other than mop-up duty or to take, you know, a victory formation at the end of a game. So for me, I think you just kind of ride the hot hand, uh, so to speak, whoever that winds up being um, in practice on a given week or, you know, just who, who stacks the most good days together. Uh, I think that Jack Tuttle was brought here similar to the, you know, in a similar vein to Alan Bowman, where it's just kind of more insurance, for the you know the ceiling or the floor of your quarterback room, though I think uh, I do think that Bowman was better. He had starting experience in the Big Twelve in a pass happy offense, so I think you can give him the edge over that there. But you know Davis Warren did some good. I mean they both did good things over the weekend. I think I liked how decisive Jack Tuttle was when he decided to pull the ball and start running. Uh, Davis Warren obviously had the better statistical day through the air, but. A lot of that was due to just chucking the ball up to Peyton O'Leary and hoping he made a play. Those two are roommates and F it that's Peyton a, O'Leary down there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was like one of those 500 dead or alive type deals. So uh, backup quarterback. Yeah. I mean, something that Michigan's had going for it with that in recent years, not as much last year, but I, maybe in the years before that is that typically you're one of, at least one of your guys battling for that job is someone that has a chance to start for this team down the road. And you know, if you want to argue that maybe those two guys don't have the best chance of that, maybe it's actually Alex Orgy, who his development, we'll see what he keeps doing. I think if he's a guy that can develop more as a passer, uh, maybe he puts himself into that conversation. But I think we're probably at least a year away from that, and he might not even play quarterback. So the guys you have are, are what they are. I think that – you have the benefit of having one of the best offensive lines in college football, a strong running game. I think some good safety valve type guys, at the skill positions, maybe not a playmaker, but a lot of guys that you have confidence can, you know, haul, haul in passes and get open down the field. So, you know, you don't want to see any of those guys really. It's weird to say you don't want to see either of them really play this year, but uh, in terms of being comfortable with, if they have to come in the game in a strong situation or, or a, uh, Sorry, if they have to come into a game in a competitive situation, I still have questions about that. 
For sure. Uh, so do I. But, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to go into the season, and we'll kind of see how it plays out. Alex Orgy, to me, is kind of that guy that I think I have seen. And I was re-watching the spring game, and, like, I think I have seen enough out of him to keep him at quarterback and just kind of, like, see what they have. It's, like, kind of an experiment that you just continue. I mean, he made some nice throws. Uh, definitely looked better throwing than he did last year at this time when we saw him. And then the running ability and just, just how big and physical he is, is just so interesting. Um, and, you know, you're right. Like, a year down the line, Jack Tuttle's not going to be here. Davis Warren probably will be unless he wants to transfer somewhere and, you know, start in the MAC or something like that. And not ruling out him even starting here. But, uh, you know, that's a possibility where somebody else is going to give him a, a starting job. You know, Alex Orgy's a guy that I wouldn't necessarily think is going to be your starter. But, like, you could build an offense around that. I mean – I know Matt Weiss isn't there anymore, but you know, the, the parallels between Michigan and the Ravens, it's like, you could do something now. Lamar Jackson situation is not going great right now in Baltimore, but um, you know, just a thought, just a thought out there. Uh, let's move the running back where you have Blake Corum, you have Donovan Edwards. It's another backup job. So let's not spend too much time on it, but there are some options for this third running back, uh, you know, position. And again, you probably don't want to see much of these guys. If uh, you know, because you want Blake and Donovan to stay healthy, even in, you know, Kalel Mullings coming into last season, you know, when he was repping at running back for a while, it was like, oh, can he be the short yardage guy? Turned out they didn't need an extra guy for that. It was Blake Corum, but they did need it later on in the year when he came in. So I don't even know how much of a role this guy is going to have, but it, it's still uh, something to watch given that both guys and in, in at the running back spot, you need depth. Both guys have gone through injuries over the last two seasons. Um, Kalel Mullings, I think I would handicap him as the guy uh, with the best chance of maybe being number three on the depth chart. I think he's full on a running back at this point with the amount of depth they have at linebacker. Uh, CJ Stokes, who did not play in the spring game uh, with uh, apparently an injury a little bit banged up. Then you have Ben Hall, uh, who we're all, we were all talking about, and we broke him down on Monday. Uh, Cole Cabana is another kid who's banged up, but you know could factor in, maybe not to like that straight up third role, but a guy who you maybe sprinkle in and have different uh, packages for him. Uh, so for me, it's Kalel Mullings right now. Where do you kind of see uh, see this? But but again, I think this competition is going to continue, and all these guys showed some promise. Yeah, to me, it might just be another hot hand situation. Uh, some weeks it could be Stokes. Some weeks it could be Mullings. I think that's probably that's probably your three and four. Uh, we'll see about Benjamin Hall. I mean, it was great to see what he did in the spring game, but you know, we've seen guys – sort of come out of nowhere and be spring game stars before let's see what he does in fall camp. I'll agree. He looks, he looks the part. I think that, um, you know, if, if they can get him to run as physically as he looks like he can be on the field or let he looks like he is in shoulder pads, mm-hmm. that's a guy to look at, you know, a year or two down the road. Um, Cole Cabana, we'll see with the injuries uh, pretty telling, not, you know, in your initial, you know, summation of the situation, Tavier Dunlap, I mean, this is probably a, a year where, you know, if he doesn't see the field now, it's probably never going to happen at Michigan. So here's the thing about Tavi, like Leon Franklin was getting carries in the spring game ahead of him. I mean, yeah, um, I don't, were they on this? They might not have been on the same team, but they I mean, he was he was down the depth chart. And we haven't even mentioned Isaiah Gash, who actually did a couple nice things, had a huge fourth down pickup against Illinois last year. Um, yeah. There's depth here. Mike Hart said it. They're they're way deeper than he thought they were last year at this time. And I mean, I don't think anybody would disagree with him there. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like they found a way to piece it together 
I think with less depth, less depth last year, maybe the offensive line. I still think the last year's Michigan offensive line is the gold standard. I do think there's probably going to be just a little bit of a drop off there. Uh, but when you have guys up front that are that talented, um, you know, I, I'm not stupid enough to say you could put you or I back there, but like I said, we've seen them pick up first downs and move, you know, move piles and, and put drives together with third stringer, third stringer, four stringer, walk-ons, you name it. So pretty confident about that. For sure. Uh, slot receiver was one that I would have touched on if we got to see either of those guys. I feel like it's currently like a, a Tyler Morris, uh, AJ Henning type of battle, but I think we're going to see both. And I think AJ Henning and Tyler Morris's skill sets are so different that that's just kind of the way it goes. Skill sets being different uh, is also the case at the tight end spot. I think we're going to see both. Uh, looking at the numbers, I think it's 53% of snaps last year. Michigan had multiple tight ends on the field, according to Sports Info Solutions. We're going to see Colston Loveland and AJ Barner uh, together quite a bit. I think AJ Barner is a little bit more of your guy that's going to line up on the line. In the three-point stance, Colston Loveland, we saw him split out a lot in the spring game and at times last season. He's more of your Y tight end uh, that's going to catch passes down the field. He can run vertically, that sort of thing. Um, and, and he looks bigger, by the way, and he said this spring that he's looking to uh, improve his blocking as well. But um, I think we're going to see both. I had him uh, as an or on the offensive depth chart um, just because – one, we could have split that into two different tight end positions because I think they're they're different tight ends. And two, because I think depending on situation, uh, depending on opponent, we could see one guy start one game, the next guy start the other game, one guy be in for an entire series, the next guy be in for the next series, that sort of thing, where they're going to be potentially interchangeable uh, depending on a bunch of different factors. Matt Hibner uh, was kind of the guy that I would surprise me a little bit in the spring game, showed that they have some more depth there, but... Uh, where do you see this thing? I mean, it, it's just good that they got AJ Barner in and that now, you know, tight end again, looks like a, a potential strength. It is a strength. And Colston Loveland, I think is, you know, we've been, we've been racking our brains all off season about, gosh, who's going to emerge at wide receiver. Who's going to be the number one guy. Who's going to be the number one target in this passing offense. I don't think you have to think too hard about it. I think there's a shot that it is Colston Loveland because of that versatility. We saw him play in line. We saw him play, uh, you know, out wide, you know, they're going to move him around and, and he's one of their best 11 on offense. So they're going to find ways to get him out there and keep him out there. And he's a guy that, um, you know, some of these wide res- or some of these tight ends come into college and, you know, you need time to, to put the weight on and figure it out. And, you know, he certainly has done that. He looks like uh, you know more physically developed than he was at this time last year, which you would expect. He was a true freshman going through his first spring football, but he, you know, former high school wide wide receiver. He's got the ball skills. I think of the the touchdown he had in the Big Ten championship game. That could be a guy that you throw the ball to down the field or chuck the ball up to him in the end zone and have him come down and get it. I think he's a he's he can be the solution to a lot of the questions we have about this Michigan passing game. And we know the way that Harbaugh offenses have traditionally used the tight end that that's something that is going to be. Um, he's going to have a lot of opportunities to to be productive. So yeah, I, I was impressed with Barner too. I think he's as, as good of a tight end two as you could ask for maybe a fringe tight end one, like you said, given what his role will be Matt Hibner uh, it's we've been waiting on him, but they've just been so deep there. Um, Max Bredesen, I think is a blocking tight end. Yep. will pick up the role. I mean, he already had the role last year, but you know, with Joe Honigford gone, Carter Seltzer gone, 
he's going to play a ton. So, um, you know, Marlon Klein got a decent amount of run too. So all of a sudden you look at this group and, um, yeah, I, I like the depth there, but Colston Loveland to me is uh, number one with a bullet. Yeah. And guys like Zach Marshall, uh, an early enrollee, I think he has a bright future, probably a year or two away. And Deacon Tonielli coming in, in the summer, there are all sorts of names that you could, you could envision any number of these guys being kind of the next guy, but they got a good top two right now. And, and Hibner makes me feel a little bit better about the depth of the room. Uh, offensive line. I got one down something that, you know, I think coming into spring in one before spring, before they released the roster, we thought Ladarius Henderson was going to be here uh, as part of spring practices. Turns out uh, has to, you know, finish up his degree. He'll be here uh, with the team officially in the summer. Um, he had told us initially that he was a rolling early, but obviously uh, some plans changed. So, Left tackle to me is now kind of a, a position battle, and I'll tell you why. Um, the right tackle job, there's just so many guys there, and that includes Carson Barnhart. They move him over to left for the spring, and obviously he repped at both, but we saw him in the spring game there. You saw him in, in just about every picture of him throughout the spring. He was at left tackle. Uh, he's so solid that he's not going to be a cakewalk to beat out, and when you're Sharon Moore and company and you're trying to figure out the, the best five on this offensive line, it may include Trent A. Jones at right tackle, who once again looks very good, uh, and Carson Barnhart at left tackle. So Henderson's got to beat him out. Uh, right now we have Carson Barnhart listed as a starter at left tackle uh, as, a, as a snapshot of where things stand now, not, a, not necessarily a prediction, but he's got to come in and win that job. For now, I think it's Carson Barnhart, and I think we'll see that competition be ongoing throughout fall camp. Then you start shuffling the pieces around as you get closer to game day on September 2nd, where it's like, okay, now he's on the right side. This guy maybe moves the guard, that sort of thing, where you have all sorts of different mixing and matching. But for now, I think this is going to be a true battle coming in. And it's something, too, where I could see it being another one of those position battles that go into the regular season. Um, I'll, I'll say this. I thought that Trent, both Trente Jones and Carson Barnhart played well last season. Trente got off to a little bit of a rough start. Um, mm -hmm. But Car I'll tell you what. If you're going to come in and, and compete with Carson Barnhart for a job, you better you better bring your A game every single day because he is just so steady there and he's seen everything. He's played guard for this program. He's played both tackle spots. Uh, Trent A. Jones, like I said, I think that he has really played some good football. Um, you know, more towards the tail end or the about the middle of last season before he got injured. Um, that's a battle there too. And, and and Miles Hinton is a guy who has some starting experience that will slide in there and, and um, you know, be a part of that competition as well. So yeah, Ladarius Henderson, I mean, everything we've been told is that they expect him to be their left tackle, but the fact that he just missed out on, you know, six weeks of some, uh, some quality competition that's already on the roster. Um, he's going to be behind the eight ball a little bit, but you know, as we've seen, if you have the talent, you know, think of a guy like JJ McCarthy last year, didn't have spring ball comes back and, you know, by the end of, by the end of fall camp, you're looking at a guy where, you know, he's you're, you're thinking about putting him in your starting lineup. So I love the competition on this offensive line. I mean, they are as deep there. They're deep enough to where if there were a couple guys that hit the transfer portal, you know, in this window that's coming up, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And they would still have quality depth there. So they're in a really good spot there. I, I like the pieces in that room. Let's talk about center with Drake Nugent, who we didn't see in the spring game. Uh, Raheem Anderson, who you continue to hear good things about 
and uh, and how he played this spring. But then also Greg Kip, Crippen, excuse me, a guy that you could imagine also starting for a team, uh, including Michigan. But there's just so much competition there that it's kind of hard to envision. Um, you know, I, I don't even know. I mean, there's just so many guys. I guess guys could move to guard if they need it. But then you have two All Big Ten guys there. Um, it's just great problems to have. But Drake Nugent is a guy who I think is second team preseason All-American, according to Walter Camp, or maybe third team. Uh, and he has guys pushing him, like Raheem Anderson and Greg Crippen. Um, I think Nugent's going to win the job. I think he's good enough. I think that, you know, everything you heard about his time at Stanford is he was probably a little bit underrated even as well and played a little bit banged up last season. Uh, but I think that's going to be a battle too. And I think both uh, Raheem and Greg Crippen showed uh, quite a bit on Saturday to, to make you believe that the future is bright at the very least um, and that there's a ton of depth there. Yeah. Everything we've heard about Nugent. I mean, again, the bar is set extremely high when you have a guy like Olu Oluwatimi who leaves the program after winning the Outland and the Remington awards. Uh, we've heard there are people in that building that think that Drake Nugent could do some of those same things. And I'm not, I'm not setting the bar that high, but like I said, it's, I like what we've heard about him, but the fact that you still have, you know, they like Raheem Anderson. They see him as a free future starter. We've been hearing about Greg Crippen. It seems like dating back to bowl practices two years ago uh, about how they feel about him. So the depth there at, at all of these positions to me is it's a strength for them. And it also allows you, yeah, I mean, you, you have a good, pretty good idea of what your best five might be, but you know, when you have more options to compete and maybe your most talented five isn't always your best five either. Um, but that's something else where I could see a lot of these battles going into the season and kind of staying fluid throughout the season. There's going to be guys are going to get banged up. There are always injuries. It feels like there's always something on, you know, uh, Zach Sinter's hand, some kind of club or uh, Trevor Keegan will have like a neck injury or a let, you know, something. Something will pop up somewhere, and regardless of who wins these battles, I think you're going to see all of these guys probably play. So um, we haven't even talked about Giovanni Elhadi yet because there's not competition at the guard spots, but he's someone who I think that uh, you know, proved last year he can come in and and uh, and handle the job. So their offensive line depth is is great across the charts, and the fact that they are so veteran too, I think also helps take a lot of stuff off of Sharon Moore's plate now that he's you know, the sole offensive coordinator. So you still got to coach him, but when you have guys that have been here and have played and have won at this level um, and have kind of maintained what they've done the last couple of years, it's, it's a lot easier to come in the building every day and, and put the plan together on what you're going to get to work on. For sure. I was going to mention Gio and just, just a reminder out there that Giovanni Elhadi is a backup. Uh, you know, that's how good you're, you, you could feel the great second offensive line, you know, um, and, and that would compete with a lot of first team offensive lines uh, around the country, even in the big 10. Um, let's move to edge where it's another one of those things where I think situationally, they're pretty much set up for any situation. You have a guy like Josiah Stewart that I think is probably a two at this point, however you want to call it. But, uh, you know, could be a guy that, that is in the mix absolutely on third downs situations like that uh one of the more you know i think jalen harrell is probably locked in as a starter you know you got to keep your job and all that but in terms of projecting this out to the season uh i would think he's kind of locked in uh the guy who was really impressive in the spring game was Derek moore 
Then you have Braden McGregor, who was kind of the darling of the spring before that and didn't show as much in limited time, mind you, during the spring game. But Derek Moore just feels to me like just the upside is so high there. I also think Braden McGregor can be good. I think everybody's going to play a lot in that top four. Um, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on on maybe how this thing plays out in terms of who's your quote-unquote starter? Because I don't think it, you know the label's one thing, but I know all those guys are going to contribute and, and make big impacts. Yeah, I feel like Jalen Harrell is is probably your guy that if you want to call him, I mean, they're all going to play probably a close to an equal amount of snaps, but because Harrell is a guy that has the three down ability can set the edge uh, against the run. You know, he can cover guys down the field. He looked improved as a pass rusher, which was good to see uh, in the brief glimpse we got of him. So I think that he's in the Knicks there. Um, Josiah Stewart, Derek Moore, Listen, those guys, those guys were, were dominant on Saturday, uh, playing on opposite uh, opposite teams in that game. And Braden McGregor, he didn't play a ton, but neither did a lot of players that they consider starters right now. So I don't right. know that I put a ton of stock into that. But, yeah, those guys are uh, – they're loaded there. I think that from a pass rush perspective, they have the chance to be a little more consistently explosive. I, I could see a scenario where, you know, those guys are getting home a little bit more and it's taking pressure off the back two levels of your defense. But in terms of who's winning, what job it's hard to, I, I think that Harrell is a lock to play most of the downs, but uh, from there, they're going to rotate and, you know, see what happens. I think you might have a little bit of versatility there too. Um, you know, given that you can put guys in different spots in different scenarios. So uh, tough to handicap it. Uh, I don't even know. I mean, it's, I think who ultimately wins the battle is going to be the guy week to week. That's the most disruptive. And Josiah Stewart to me is as freaky as they said he was. And and I can see a path where maybe he's the guy that gets the lion's share, but um, we'll see what happens. I said it was, I said it would be Braden McGregor a few weeks ago. I don't know. I mean, it changes every week. It seems like so, which I think is going to be kind of the defining factor of this group. Yeah, part of me likes having guys that you have out there for most every down, um, you know, just because they can they can make a move early on in the game, set up another move for later on, that sort of thing. And I think as the year went on, when they were healthy, especially with Mike Morris, like Michigan was keeping those guys on the field for the most part, you know, first, second, third down with some subbing. But right now, um, and, and then maybe they'll get to that this year, but right now I, I just see this as everybody brings something different to the table. Um, I could see, you know, on first down, if a team's trying to run the football and it's Derek Moore and Jalen Harrell on the edges, uh, you know, and Kenneth Grant, Mason Graham and Chris Jenkins on the inside or, or a combination, you know, two out of those three. Um, it's just going to be really tough. It's going to be really tough. And everybody brings something else to the table. So uh, edge group looking very good at this point. Uh, we talked a little bit about linebacker on Monday, so I kind of want to skip over that because it's kind of one of those things we're going to have to wait and see Mike Barrett. Junior Colson, those are your incumbent starters. But Ernest Hausman looks so good on Saturday that uh, I can't imagine a scenario where he doesn't play a pretty significant role. And you have Nakai Hill Greenback from injury as well. So you're looking at – it's kind of like the offensive line. But that second team, and maybe more so at linebacker because it's just four guys. But you're, let's say your second team is Ernest Hausman and Nakai Hill Green. Like They would start as a combination <laughs> – on many different linebacking cores in the in the country. So that's a fantastic one there. Uh, corner is the last kind of high-profile one I think that we have here. Um, and again, we touched about uh, touched on it um, you know, on Monday, but you look at Amoran Walker, who it feels like they were 
I think it confirmed, A.B., what we talked about when Jim Harbaugh talked back on February 23rd, and we said it feels like a little bit like they are trying to boost his confidence a little bit, you know, get him going and bought in on being a corner as opposed to a wide receiver. Uh, and they were they had glowing things to say about him. And, of course, his athleticism is at that point. But I don't think necessarily as a corner he's quite there yet. Uh, from what we've heard, that has motivated some of the other corners, like a Jaden McBurrows, like a Miles Pollard, uh, both of whom stood out uh, on Saturday. Jair Hill is an incoming true freshman. They've got options here. I think more options than a lot of people thought, including myself, coming into this offseason. But um, I don't know. Your thoughts on kind of where things stand? I would still pencil in a Morion probably – in that one spot, I'd maybe throw an oar on it with with like a Jaden McBurrows. And I know Jaden can also play the nickel if you need him to. And Mike Sainer still can play at the corner, which we saw a little bit in the spring game when he was in in the first quarter. But um, your feelings on maybe how this competition, again, it's one of those ones that's going to be ongoing. But where things are right now. I think they want him to win it because if it does click with those athletic traits, then you're talking about a unicorn, an alien, uh, as Ronnie Bell would refer to him as. Uh, But Saturday, I didn't, it it wasn't pretty. Um, You know, you give all credit in the world to to a guy like Peyton O'Leary, who was, that was kind of the matchup that the Mays team exploited was Peyton O'Leary on a Morian Walker. And uh, it was rough at times. Um, You know, he's not, I just think it come a lot of what he what they're asking him to do is going to come with, like you said, the confidence. Um, it's going to come with the play experience. It's going to come instinctually. It's a muscle, you know, defensive back. So much of what you do is muscle memory, and they have one of the best, you know, one of the best position coaches in that uh, regard, and Steve Klinkscale in developing those guys. But he's got a ways to go, and I, I thought that. Uh, I feel like Jesse Minter sort of helped us tap the brakes a little bit on the Amorian Walker hype when he said last week that, you know, they can see him being on sort of a similar path to Will Johnson where you just kind of work him in. And by the end of the year, maybe he is one of your top two corners, uh, which Will Johnson certainly was, um, you know, he'll be their number one corner this year easily, I'd say, but you know, Jade McBurrows, like we talked about on our Monday show, he will come up and hit you. And there was a couple guys, um, uh, I feel I forgot who we talked to on pro day that asked who who he thought would was the best maybe cover guy on the team or someone that gave people the most issues. And Jagman Burroughs came up at least once. So he's a guy that, you know, if he can stay healthy, I think there's a chance to him, you know, he's got a shot there. I also think that he could play a bit in the, the nickel. Mike Sainer still could play a little bit more on the outside. And that's maybe the key to all this. I mean, if you can find someone who can who can play that nickel spot as well as Sainer still did last year. Maybe Mikey does switch to the outside and, and you get those other guys that work in, but you know, in the here and now um, I think that schematically they can do a lot of things to cover up that number two cornerback job. But, you know, I think even in the non-conference, you're going to see teams kind of pick on Amorian Walker when he's out there. And it's for him, it's going to be all about so much about what you do at defensive back is putting a bad play behind you and getting to the next play because you're going to, you're going to get burned. It's going to happen. And, uh, you know, it, the great ones figure out, you know, ways to not let that one, let those snowball. So Morion, there's a lot of work there to do still, but uh, you could see it. I mean, you see, you see the traits, you see the movement when he's out there. It's just a matter of putting it all together. And again, remember he's still a sophomore too, that only played corner for, you know, seriously full time for five or six weeks. So not out on that yet, but a lot of work to do. 
Hi, this is Jonathan from Lewis Jewelers. If you're in the market for a diamond, we can make the experience easy and stress-free. Not to mention we can save you time and money. As a general manager, one of my roles is to hand-select every diamond that comes into our store. Don't shop alone. Come see me or one of my trusted advisors and find the perfect diamond today. Where Ann Arbor gets engaged, Lewis Jewelers. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. A lot of work to do, also a lot of time, you know, as you kind of mentioned there, we got a lot of time to the season and there's a lot of time left in his career in college football. So that helps him as well. And he has Steve Klinkscale to help develop him. But uh, I agree with just about everything you said there. I mean, I, I like some of the other options as well, but Amorian could still come around. And if he does, uh, then man, the sky is the limit. I think Jim Harbaugh said that uh, explicitly. Um, okay. Those are our position battles for Michigan football. You know, Obviously, competition is going to be ongoing at other positions as well. There's going to be battles. There's going to be somebody that wins a job that maybe we didn't talk about here. Uh, but that is just the nature of football uh, right now coming out of spring. I think that's kind of you know our feelings on where things stand there. Uh, let's flip over to basketball, Anthony, and talk about the roster, talk about the transfer portal a little bit. We don't have to get into every single name that Michigan has contacted, but I wanted to start with the roster, then talk about options. Uh, to potentially add to that roster. Um, and the first thing I wanted to talk about, because we got so many questions about it on the message board today in our chat uh, with subscribers, which you can partake in each and every week if you head to the Wolverine.com, sign up $29.99 uh, through August 31st. Quick plug there. Is could Hunter Dickinson come back to Michigan? He's in the transfer portal. He is uh, also currently, as we speak, I believe, on either a Zoom call or in-person meeting with Kentucky, according to a report from Jeff Goodman of Stadium. Uh, he is, he's been in contact with just about every high major team that can use a big man, and even some that probably have a pretty good big man, but it's Hunter Dickinson. You know, He's the top-rated player in the transfer portal for a reason. I also start thinking about this, and I was talking about this with my dad yesterday. We were just talking about how you know the way Hunter went out um, right. You know, with really no comments about Michigan, even on his own podcast, nothing on social media, uh, other than others reporting that he's popped up in the transfer portal. Could that be something as well where, Hey, he hasn't said goodbye yet because he doesn't know that it's goodbye yet from, you know, things we've heard. And again, we'll have some updates over at the Wolverine.com get premium access now, uh, from everything that, you know, we've heard, it's that's not totally out of the woods at this point. I wouldn't expect it personally, but it's not totally out of the woods. Um, also, when you look at this, uh, there was a, a report from a, a Maryland writer just the other day, I believe on Monday, that that's a possibility. So, Anthony Broom, could this happen? I suppose it could. It'd be awkward. And a lot of tweets and social media posts might get deleted or even just left up as receipts for posterity, whatever it is. Um, I don't, uh, I don't know that I see that. I think that the wording 
the wording of Michigan's statements talking about how it was unfortunate. I mean, I don't think that bridges have been burned here, but there have been, uh, you know, Hunter Dickinson's famous for ruffling feathers across college basketball. And I think that with what happened last week, there were finally some, some feathers ruffled in Ann Arbor, uh, especially with not, I don't know that everyone was fully in tune or really that much in tune at all with what his plans or intentions were. So I won't rule it out. I mean, we've seen crazier things happen. I mean, if we're talking about, let's just say, you know, we have reports now that Michigan is interested in Caleb Love. I don't think that Caleb Love is going to wind up at Michigan because of NIL and because uh, Love's a St. Louis native. They're talking about him going to Missouri. It makes a lot of sense for that to happen, but if you're, you know, in the last, if, if you're, if you're telling me the buzz from the last few days is that Hunter Dickinson is waffling, potentially, and that um, Caleb Love is interested uh, in Michigan, Michigan's been in contact with him. Could I see a scenario where Dickinson comes back as part of a package deal? I suppose I could. Um, I think it's more likely that both of those guys aren't here than they are here, uh, and again we've talked about before how things have been so fluid in the portal so far uh, before we came on uh, on threes, Joe Tipton had said something along the lines of one of the top transfers is set to come off the board today. And we're sitting here going, Oh God, who are we going to talk about? How do we set the plan probably for the show? Probably love uh, because Hunter's well, I was going to say, yeah. as we're recording this, I checked social media. Uh, I don't know if this would be the one he's referring to, but former Arizona point guard, uh, Kirk Kreeza is off the board to West Virginia. So I don't know if that's okay. One of the top ones it could be, uh, I suspect that it was, but we'll see. Um, you know, at this point, given, I almost feel like there is a, there's more to be, I mean, listen, if Hunter Dickinson calls up Juwan Howard says, forget NIL, forget all that. I want to finish what I started here. You take him back and, you deal with, you know, the stuff, the, you know, cause the comments from teammates, listen, no offense. Um, a lot of the stuff that was on social media, we saw stuff from Will Cheddar. I think it was on Instagram. There was a comment that went around from Jace Howard. Listen, I mean, I'm going to put stock into the former all American as opposed to the guys who, you know, no offense to those guys. I like those guys a lot, good guys. And, and I think solid role players, but I think you can mend those fences. If, you know, a roster comes together that, everyone's kind of back on the same page, but at this point, given everything that's gone on, I think that a bit of, you know, I think that if you're going all in on a hard read, a hard reset um, to me, it just feels like it, I'm not going to say they shouldn't you know, bring him back. I think you do if he wants to come back, but I don't see it happening. Honestly, um, there are too many high majors out there with bags of cash. They're willing to throw around for basketball, which, I was with some donors on Friday night. It doesn't seem like there's still much of an appetite to do that for hoops. I just, I, Hunter Dickinson's path to making money in this game is, is not maybe as long as he thought it would be. So I, I still ultimately see that being the case where he goes elsewhere. You do bring up an interesting point though, when it comes to Caleb Love. Now, whether Caleb Love would be attractive to him or not, or maybe it's somebody else that Michigan brings in. They already brought in Damari Burnett. I don't know if that necessarily totally moves the needle for Hunter Dickinson. Um, but, uh, and actually I think he, he committed before Hunter left uh, a day before. So, uh, but, but you bring up that point of, you know, who are the two things that we speculated were Hunter Dickinson's reasons for leaving were one, the roster coming back and how things were kind of looking bleak there. And two, you know, the potential to be a free agent where your, your value goes way up. Right. Well, 
you're a free agent now. Your value at Michigan could go up. Again, I don't think they're going to dole out a bag of cash or, you know, whoever's involved with the NIL to do that. But, you know, maybe it'd be more than it would have been if he would have not entered the portal and just stayed, that sort of thing. And then also what Jawan Howard does in the transfer portal. If they can move quickly here and get a guy or two, uh, you know, if it's Caleb Love or if it's somebody else, then I think it could uh, ease some of the concerns that Hunter Dickinson would maybe have. Um, but again, I, I don't see it happening. I, but I let me say this too. He's in the transfer portal right now. He's not on, I mean, technically still on the roster, but you're a free agent right now. You don't get to dictate how this roster was built anymore. As far as I'm concerned, if now, if you're in the building and you're saying these are the guy, you know, if you're pushing for guys, that's one thing, but you know, Hunter, I don't think Hunter Dickinson suddenly gets to, you know, have a, and I'm not saying you're saying this, but you know, I don't think that it, I'm just interested in seeing where it goes. So I don't want to stick my yeah. foot in my mouth from there. Um, but if, if Michigan can move fast to fill some of these spots, and let's just, for example, if you're telling me that in the next couple of days, they could come out of this with, let's just say Harrison Ingram and Chris Ledlam, just the two first names that popped in my head. I'm taking, I'm, if that's what fills my roster, sorry, I'm I'll roll with that and and Namari Burnett and Terrace Reed and Doug McDaniel and see what you know, see what else I can come up with. So, um, but if you if you want to come back, this better happen pretty quickly, I think. But a couple of things, and now we're talking long on Hunter Dickinson. I don't again, neither of us think it's going to happen, but yeah. um, just that door being left left open just a little bit. Um, what was I going to say on that? Well, well, basically, too, I don't think it'd be Hunter Dickinson dictating anything. I think it'd be more, yeah. you know, the onus is on the staff to, hey, and, and I don't think this would be their number one priority either, but, you know, build a roster, right, that can win. And if Hunter Dickinson sees a path to that, I don't yeah. think you say no to him, uh, you know. Yeah, I, that's, I think that's ultimately the point I made, too, is that if he wants yeah. to come back, it's a situation where, like, hey, look, I'm Damari Burnett. Here's uh, Harrison Ingram. You sure about this? You sure about it? I could see that maybe being the case, but right. uh, I don't know. It depends. I, again, Lent is coming to an end soon. We're going to hear from Hunter on social media soon enough. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I want to make my stance very clear, though. If Hunter Dickinson wants to come back, let him come back. But the, the, the idea that you know they're trying to put together a roster for him to reconsider um i don't know i felt like you could have you could be part of those conversations while still being you know kind of in the building so to speak so we'll see we'll see where it goes 100 100 um let's move on to some of the guys that are catching our eye right now in the transfer portal which kayla loves a guy that you mentioned he's a polarizing one you know you get the report from andrew slater who does a tremendous job on the recruiting scene uh, from a national standpoint uh, him saying that, yeah, Missouri's the leader, but Michigan, you know, could be in the mix. NIL uh, looks like it is a uh, a big factor there. And, and you know, it is for a lot of these guys that have some high major suitors, that sort of thing. But Caleb Love, very polarizing. It's already sparked quite the debate between the fan base. Would you take him? Would you not take him? I strongly believe I talked to somebody who, who covers North Carolina uh, in the ACC today and i strongly believe that it was not an option for caleb love to come back to north carolina i also strongly believe that caleb love did not want to come back to north carolina it was kind of a mutual type of thing there so 
And, and what are the reasons for that? Well, you hear the rumors about, you know, he doesn't get along with his teammates for various reasons that we don't have to go into. Uh, and, you know, whatever. Two Ooh. is probably more importantly, Anthony, because some of those teammates are returning, right? If he wasn't the problem or part of the problem on the floor, it would have been him coming back and them not coming back. So probably more importantly is shot selection, shot volume, you know, a, a low percentage especially this past season, uh, that backcourt between him and R.J. Davis did not mesh. Uh, that backcourt was part of a North Carolina team that had its fewest amount of assists in a season since assists began being tracked in 1968-1969. Um, I read that as well. So, look, he shot less than 30% from three, but he attempted 244 three-pointers this past season. Um, he's also a guy that scored 27 points in the second half of a Sweet 16 game against UCLA last year uh, in 2022. He's also the guy that hit the dagger three to seal the game against Duke in the Final Four. Uh, he's also the guy that went 2 of 10 from three in the national championship game, in which they lost. Um, so he is very much hot and cold. Uh, he's very polarizing. But, um, you know, he raises your ceiling <laughs> – I think maybe he lowers your floor from for uh, from a game to game perspective. But uh, your thoughts on Caleb Love, and then we'll get to uh, uh, quick hitters on some other guys that catch our eye. Yeah, I I almost feel the opposite on that. Where I feel like he he raises your floor for next year's roster, but I don't know that the ceiling is <laughs> because you know it's all the things that you know that we heard about this year's team with Michigan where the ball would just stop moving on offense and he could be streaky from, um, you know, from the perimeter and things like that. I'm not saying again, it's another situation. If he wants to come here, you figure it out because he's arguably one of the top, you know, three, four, five best guys in the portal right now uh, on three has him at uh, number four in terms of players currently available in the transfer portal, Hunter Dickinson, number one, um, Max Obmus from Oral Roberts is number two. I haven't heard any contact with him on Michigan, Harrison Ingram, uh, we'll see. But uh, obviously a guy that Jawan Howard has a relationship with. But um, yeah, if, it, if one of those blue chip transfers wants to come, you figure it out and you build the roster from there. Um, but I think that uh, I, I could see the pros and cons to it. I mean, he's a, he's a high volume guy and we'll see. Uh, you know, I don't, uh, I think some of the chemi- or some of the character stuff I think is probably a little bit overblown. I think that was maybe just kind of a powder keg of drama uh, at North Carolina this past season, but we'll see. I I would take I would take him if he wanted to come, but again, it sounds like it might come down to NIL, and we know that uh, you know, Michigan's having a hard enough time playing that game on the football end of things, let alone for basketball. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, not. 